Hello, and welcome to Movies the Podcast. I am your spooky host, co-host sidekick, Jesse Caster, and I am joined by my co-host, Naomi Booty. Well, that just came out wrong. <laughs> Not like that kind of booty, but like boo-ty. Uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're not going to walk down this path with me? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I appreciate the effort. Well. <laughs> does that convince you? <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> this, was, this was a surprise to me. Yes. Oh, yes it is. And I will be doing all Halloween episodes in this <laughs> voice. Awesome. Uh, well, actually, I did want to talk to you about this because we never we never made a call. And I, oh. I, I guess I should have talked to you about this before we pressed record. But sure. Is this, is this the... the, the um, the Shocktober Scarathon, yeah. or is it the the uh, the Halloween Night Marathon? Is there a difference? What we call it? Yeah. These four episodes that are gonna. Oh, let me turn this off. First of all, to the audience, I am very sorry if um, you're terrified right now. <laughs> um, we it's October, my my favorite month. Yeah, I can tell. I, I didn't know this about you, but <laughs> I am quickly being clued in. You you don't even know how much yeah. you don't know how much I love Halloween. Yeah. This is this is the the my absolute favorite month. Hello, welcome to Movies the Podcast. <laughs> I'm Jesse, and I'm very happy to introduce my co-host Naomi Beatty. I'm Naomi Beatty, and this is Jesse Kester. Thank you so. Oh, I got demoted today. I got fired. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sidekicking. <laughs> How how unfortunate for me. And we've got we've got a heck of a we've got a, a spooky episode for you today. All you all you boils and ghouls, thank you for <laughs> oh, tuning geez. in. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot today. We're we're uh, reviewing uh, the the Babadook, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're going to be talking about uh, international mischief. We're going to be talking about Wes Craven's legacy. If we got a mm-hmm. minute for that, sure. I'd, I'd like to talk about uh, wrestling and and how all screenwriters should go study wrestling for for at least a year before before they get into screenwriting. Don't Interesting. And and uh, we're going to do my favorite feature on the show, which is uh, shut my mouth, where <laughs> I shut my mouth and I listen to your opinions because I've got questions for you about this oh, film. Okay, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, you really, joy, it comes to joy when when I say I want to hear your opinion. Is that how rare I say that? <laughs> no, no. I'm just. I'm, I'm glad that you have questions because, as you know, I'm feeling a little under the weather, and mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you'll be. No, no, no. I got me. lots of questions. Good. Here's the thing: is um, you know how you're a, a human female? Yeah. I am not a female, <laughs> right? And this film has a definite female bend to it. Mm. So I'm very, very, I got a lot of questions. Yeah. For you. We'll get into all that later. Cool. But before we do, first I have to ask you, uh, did you experience any emotions this week? And if so, what was kind of the big one? Yes, uh, I did. And I had, I don't know how to, I don't know how to articulate this emotion, which is which is maybe the, the nice thing about emotions is mm-hmm. you just feel them. You don't yeah. have to, you don't have to talk about them. Right. No, no, no. Um, but I, I did, I had a really good time. Um, it was, I felt fulfilled collaborating with a couple of other ladies on a project and it was just really fun and, 
and fulfilling. So awesome! Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. I like that emotion. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what emotion I had. I had. Oh, are you ready for a common one? Yes. <laughs> I had disappointment oh. in myself. Oh. And we'll get into that oh. uh, in the pitch <laughs> oh. section of this. You Great. know how like uh, we've been on a pretty good run where you've said this pitch was even better than your last. Yeah. The run is over. Oh. <laughs> well, let me let me decide that. So, well, actually, it, it, it led to an interesting thought. You remember last last week, last pitch. Um, the you were interrupting and asking questions. Mm-hmm. I would like to encourage you to do that today, okay. that, so that we can kind of real time workshop it and see where where I'm missing the mark on this. Because I I don't think it's not a disaster. I mean, I can't do disasters. That's just not in my <laughs> wheelhouse. But there might be some parts, like there's some sticky parts, some squishy mm-hmm. parts that it, it, we might. As I'm talking, please interrupt me and say, "Well, what do you mean by that? Or where okay. is that going?" So that we can kind of maybe isolate where it's not where it's not linking up as as well as it should. Okay, sure. Um, so those uh, that that was that was the precap. That was feelings. And now, are any other emo? Now let's get into it. Yeah, it is time for. Talk. Um, so at the top of the talk today, we're talking about uh, the 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 Baba Duck Duck Duck. Um, what I'd like to do at the at the very top is ask you to to just give us a bit of a summary of the film. Sure. So uh, the Baba Duck is about a mother and her young child. I think he's six or seven years old. Um, who. Uh, discover. I did not. Sorry, I did not prepare that's <laughs> anything okay, that's for this. Okay. But so uh, they are living alone in their house, and they um, have this unwanted intruder of a storybook that's delivered to their home, um, which turns out to be sort of um, the doorway for a for a monster to come into their lives. Is that was that re- a good recap? <laughs> ah, I guess we're gonna have to talk about what the Babadook is then, oh, aren't we? Because okay. I, I, how would I have summarized? I might have yeah. said um, uh, a, a trauma in the distant past comes rearing its ugly head mm. when um, when a mother refuses to be the parent that she must be, or something something to that effect. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think the the book had anything to do with the Babadook. Right. I think that. Right. Sure. Well, the book was the Baba. I mean, it it was called the Babadook. Yeah. So yeah. It, yeah. But but that, that was not. No, but if you're describing the plot. Yeah. Loved it. Yes. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for picking this film. I would have gotten to it eventually someday and enjoyed it very much. But but uh, that's part of the joy of this program is that that uh, you can kind of uh, kick my butt a little bit and get me get me moving in the right lane. Yeah. To the point that I'm almost ready to fire myself from picking films <laughs> because I prefer yours so much. Oh, that's nice. So this was just like transcendent horror experience. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen this and you're a horror fan, uh, we might have to take away your, your card. Yeah. I think that this was one of the, I mean, I, I have a terrible like historical recall of movies, but I think this was one of the first of kind of that more recent trend of the, you know, of the like elevated horror movie. Right. That's when I remember that phrase being sort of thrown around of like elevated horror. What does that mean? Elevated horror. I think what people mean, I don't, I don't actually know what it means, but I think what people mean when they use that phrase is that it's, it's a horror movie. It's a genre horror movie, but it has something, um, that is elevated about it. So it's like something deeper about the themes or the story or something a little bit more, um, 
grounded in the story, you know, relevant to present day, um, smarter might be, you know, something that people would say about it um, versus just like straight genre slasher stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I've been watching uh, Freddy Krueger movies recently, just mm-hmm. kind of refreshing on that. Sorry. And this was like, you look at the older cut of, of boogeyman movies, the Friday the 13th or uh, Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger's. They don't have much on their mind. Mm-hmm. This film has a lot. It has a lot on its mind yeah. about how people behave, how we interact, how we hurt ourselves, how we hurt each other. Yeah. And it really, um, I had seen it many times before this week, before re- mm-hmm. rewatching it. But even rewatching it this time, I think it affected me even more than it did before. Like, there's something very, very emotional about it. Yes. Um, that's not just, you know, getting you on the scare level. It's actually getting you on sort of a, like, it, it affected my mood, <laughs> weirdly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's just really well done. Yes, you texted me while I was watching it, and I told you, like, I was huddling in a blanket of fear underneath the kitchen table. Half joking on that. I was huddling in a blanket of fear over on that sofa. And then I very kindly texted you a bunch of really scary emojis to enhance that. Which I jokingly (laughs) said, like, not right now, but when I saw them, I was like, oh, I can't deal with the ghost emoji at this moment. Yeah. Uh, just a brilliant film. Uh, like, let's 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 jump into some of those precaps, can we? Is it yes, okay? Let's talk about it. international mischief. Did yeah. You, did you smell that on this film? What do you mean by that? What I mean is, um, the the, the Duck, the actual boogeyman himself, is like just this really like a London fog mm. tradition. Like, it it just feels like a London fog mm. boogeyman to me. Okay. Uh, the the film takes place in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she's watching TV, all the phone numbers are from America. So oh, I hadn't noticed that. You get this kind of weird, like, where are we? When mm. are we? Why are we? What is this time and place that we're in? We're- yeah. I, you know, funny, I had not noticed that about the phone numbers, but I do think now that you mention it, there's a, there's a very deliberate sort of sense of not placing it, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's what I mean when I'm saying yeah. international mischief, like yeah. they're kind of, they're, they're playing it. They're being coy with where they are yeah. and trying to like lead your nose down the wrong path. Yeah. I have a question. Do you think Amelia... Well, it's a question that I was thinking in the first half, but by the second half, I was is a distant memory. Is she doing the best she can with the resources she has? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like that's um, sort of judging her parenting. <laughs> <laughs> How is that unfair? I think she. I think she's struggling. I think we see her struggling to to fulfill her role as parent, even though she is um, carrying the weight of her grief and her depression her, I think, resulting depression, right? Um, I think it, I think the movie shows us um, sort of the experience of someone who is dealing with depression very well um, in the the hopelessness and the unwillingness to um, ask for help because of the hopelessness. Do you disagree? You're making a face like you disagree. Yeah. <laughs> uh- very well. Reluctance to ask for help. People are shoveling help at her feet, and she uh, is. I don't. I mean, yes. Okay. So the people, school's there for her. Her sister's at the end of her rope. Just like I cannot support you anymore. You're right. And, you're but opting w- into this depression too much. But I would say if you um, if you step into the characters, the Amelia's um, shoes for a second, right? Mm-hmm. The school saying we have to do something about your son because he's misbehaving that could feel like an attack. It could not feel like help, you know? Yeah. Um, and the sister saying, 
I can't do anything else for you. Get it together. Doesn't feel like help, you know? Yeah. So even though like objectively you can look at the situation and sort of be like, oh, she is not using all the resources at her disposal. I think from the character's point of view, you could say, well, she is in a mind, in a state of mind that doesn't allow her to see the resources available to her. And I was, I was willing to ride with all of that. Mm -hmm. I was totally willing to ride with all that until she said, why don't you go eat shit? Mm. And then the switch flipped. It didn't. Well, okay. It didn't. It it didn't flip completely. It was one of those things that if if that she had won, mm-hmm. and if she like immediately retreated back from that mindset and mm-hmm. and uh, went at least tried, I would have been back on board with her. But then like I had to. I had to shift gears into realizing, like, this is a different film than what I thought it was going to right, be. Right, right. And I was just going to ask when you say you weren't on board with that. I mean, you, I know you liked the movie, so it's not like that pulled you out of the movie. It did. Oh, it did. Yeah, oh. I didn't like her. I didn't like her for a good 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. after that until, like, the... I just don't think you're supposed to at that point. I mean, she becomes the monster, you know? The, the, well, that was the thing, is I didn't realize that was the movie I was mm. getting into. I thought the, right. I thought the, the, the Babadook was going to be right, the Right, right. You thought you beast. were rooting for her the whole time, yeah, and yeah. she and was supposed to And then I had to, to stop heroine. rooting yeah. for her at that right. moment right. because of, of how far gone yeah. she was. But that is that is the, that's, the beast of depression. Like that's you the become, move, yes. You become the scary thing, unable to control your actions. Yes, you know? yeah, so. yeah. And then once I understood that that was the movie I was watching, it, it did take a minute to take that, to, to change yeah. those gears. And that, that is, uh, that's, that's wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she made the, uh, the heel turn. There's mm. the, the faces are the good guys in wrestling and the heels are the bad guys in okay. wrestling. And when you go from face to heel... That's that's when uh, you you become the bad guy, uh-huh. and that's why I do think that people should be studying wrestling because it's uh, very surface. All the conflicts and the resolutions are all quite surface, so you should be familiar with how how it how it plays out. In Got wrestling. it. Um, another example of that Fred Krueger. He makes a face turn. In the first film, he's the heel. In the second film, he's the heel. In the third film, he's becoming too popular. Like, he's more popular than the actors, than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So he starts to become the hero. And then by the end of the series, like, everybody's just going to see Robert Englund ham it up. And he's made a full face mm-hmm. turn. The Rock had the same problem. He was originally a heel. Oh, yeah. But he healed so well, everyone loved him to the point where he w- he had to be a face because... Mm. He whatever he said, everybody would cheer. Nobody would boo him anymore, no right. matter how wicked he was being. Got it. It's the curse of the charmer. Yeah. So that's that's my two cents on wrestling. <laughs> you a wrestling fan? Uh, I have never really been a wrestling fan. I my brother is a huge wrestling fan. Has been since he was just a little boy, which I find endearing. Although I'm pretty sure his girlfriend doesn't find it as endearing. <laughs> it's 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 useful to study. Mm. Um, but this people signed up for the Babadook not to hear me talk. Sure, about the rock. <laughs> um, and and I, let's tie it back to Mr. Fred Krueger. Yeah. This is like, the, I feel like uh, Wes Craven, at least the first one, really laid the groundwork of these kind of surreal films that drift between, uh, he didn't invent the dream world in cinema, but mm-hmm. he did kind of like rebirth it for the modern audience, okay. I think. And I feel like this was a, a, a direct like a straight line from the first nightmare to this film where you mm. don't know if Amelia is awake mm. or asleep or if what That's she's seen. really your, your experience of this movie is so vastly different than mine. I find this really interesting. And I'm going to shut my mouth because no, I no, want to no. hear yours. No, no, no I'm, is- I need to hear more to, to process this because I, there's never a time that I've seen this movie that I wondered if she was asleep. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm, 
semi-hallucinating because of lack of sleep or mm-hmm. not- Oh, well, I mean, there are parts of the movie that I, I assume are hallucinations, right? Like the bugs crawling out of the wall. I think we get evidence of that because when the other people come in and then she's like, oh, it's not, I mean, it was there, but it's not anymore. What can the Babadook do? What do you suppose are the rules of this boogeyman? Well, he seems to be able to throw them around the room and scare them a lot. <laughs> yep. But where did the book come from? Because she destroys it, it repairs itself, and yeah. then when she destroys it beyond repair, it doesn't come back anymore. True, but so, the Babadook is already there in their house. Mm, right? Yeah. I mean, it's still there after that. But I, if the Babadook is a refusal to talk about the traumas that affect you the deepest, then the Babadook was there long before the book arrived. Yeah, I actually don't. I mean, so this now we're getting into the sort of the story logic that I think is flawed. Um, okay, okay, let's get into that. So I think that the Babadook is supposed to represent the depression or grief. I'm not sure if I get... I don't know that there's a clear distinction between the two in this movie. Um, And I think different people describe it differently, that it's either grief or depression, right? I think it's probably closer to depression that it's supposed to represent. Um, The story logic, like you're talking about, like that was already there before the book showed up, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, why is the book showing up today, right? That's a good question. Um, is it just that her depression has reached a certain point where it, you can't ignore it anymore? And, you know, that's that's when it shows up, when the book shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there's a little bit of story logic there that's a little bit fuzzy. I disagree. Oh, okay. Respectfully. I totally respectfully Please. disagree. <laughs> um, I think that, that uh, the, the, the child has grown as much as he can without, talk, without understanding these things at a, mm. at a more adult level. Hmm. And that's why it's coming out so violent. Like, he needs to know. He needs to be able yeah. to talk about his missing father. Mm. Uh, he needs to be able to engage other children about his missing father. He, he tries to talk to the lady at the grocery store, and his mom shuts him down immediately. Like, he's mm. not even allowed to explore it in yeah. peaceful terms. And, that's, and he's getting too old to not question it anymore. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's kind of why, why it's all unfolding in such a violent fever pitch. Yeah, that I mean, I buy that. It makes sense. I still don't feel like there is a... I, I buy that, but it, it still doesn't quite sit with me. So, well, okay. yeah, you know, it's okay. I, the, I'm, I'm still on board with the movie, so... There, no, no, no. The, 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 that's one of the beautiful things about this movie is that, that it is so so brilliantly artistic that, that it. I hope it means something different for every person who mm. watches it. Like if if you sit and pay attention and feel what they're feeling, yeah. it's going to be unique to you. The thing, can I tell you the thing that I think the movie does the best? No, you cannot. Okay. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Why would you ask permission? Um, the thing that I think the movie does the best is is turning our and I should have brought this up earlier because it goes back to what you were saying about being on board with Amelia. Yeah, I want my money back. You should have brought this up earlier. <laughs> Sorry. Rewind. Um, no, the what you were saying about Amelia um, getting on board with her and then falling off with her, like mm-hmm. not rooting for her anymore when you see kind of where her behavior goes. They do such a great job of setting us up to think that the kid is this little terror, this little demon, right? And we're actually, I mean, I don't know if you felt this way, but when you're watching it, I think you're, you're worried about the behavior of this kid. Like, is he going to go off the rails? He has all these weapons. He's saying like, he's saying things about death and killing. Right. And then they, they sort of, they, their paths, I guess, dovetail and go in different direct, you know, they cross. I can't, 
English is a foreign language to me today, but um, do you see what I'm saying? I, I see what you're saying, and I must respectfully disagree okay, if I may. Good. Excellent. It never once occurred to me that he wasn't seeing monsters. Oh, really? Interesting. It, it, uh, when I was a kid, when I was his age, I could see ghosts, mm-hmm. and the, it wasn't like a the bad thing or a good thing. Mm-hmm. It was just that's there's the ghost in that room, yeah. and there's the one in that room, and it was oh, like it, it was completely copacetic for mm-hmm. me. So the idea that he was seeing and experiencing ghosts mm. and they were uh, causing him anger, like that he could see them, totally, totally good with that. Mm-hmm. That he responded the way he did to mm-hmm. what he was seeing and feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I was riding. Interesting. I was riding with him because I think for me that was what was um, fun about viewing this movie more than once. You know, initially I went into it thinking he might be the the thing that was endangering mm-hmm. everyone else around him. And then I thought the movie does such a good job of like crossing those things and yeah, taking yeah. your expectations or taking where you think they're leading you and then turning both of the characters in, in the opposite direction. Um, but then watching it again, you, you pick up on those, um, those sort of setups where he's saying, do you want to die? Be- not because he's saying I'm going to kill you, but he's saying yeah, like, yeah, I'm because, trying to protect yeah, you. You're not doing the basics right. to survive right. this situation. Here's yeah. the thing is whether the Babadook was, was, was a boogeyman or, uh, the, the emotional detritus that he was trying to clean up from his, his mother's inability to contend with the tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Babadook was real. Right. Like the, it, what, whatever form it was strictly inside the heart or crawling on top of the car, didn't really matter to mm-hmm. me that that it was I had such a personal relationship between the mother and the child and they both nail it like mm-hmm. there's not a single scene where it's ambiguous mm-hmm. about what their connection is they both sell it 100 percent yeah um it's interesting I think your your experience and my experience of viewing this movie is so um colored by which character we identify with. Yeah, yeah. That, and this is why I wanted to shut my mouth and hear what it was like for... Because I, I was imagining that you were going to be riding more with mm-hmm. Amelia and I'd be riding more with yeah. the kid as I was watching it. Uh, I wasn't really imagining that. I just wanted to sound smart. So I said that I was. <laughs> I think you're right. You know what else I loved? Can we just talk about... Can we geek out? We yeah. need to make a whole section called Geeking Out yeah, no for kidding. these films. Um, the, the, the birthday party when all the other moms are dressed for a funeral. I yeah. thought that was just like the most brilliant costuming and the way they shot it was yeah. was so, so beautiful. Any, yeah. what, what did you geek out about? Oh, gosh. What did I geek out about? Um, I mean, I really, I really liked all the performances. I just thought they were so spot on with um, kind of the atmosphere of the movie, you know, conveying the atmosphere, but not making it feel like a, it wasn't a leap away from reality, but it was so genre. Does that make sense? It was like they created this horror feel, but without it feeling like it wasn't, it couldn't just be, you know, in your neighborhood that this was happening. Yeah. No, it was a beautifully tweaked world. Just this side of reality. Yeah. Can I say a couple quick shout outs? Sure. Uh, we got to say much love to Alex Holmes and uh, much love to Alex. I do not know how to pronounce this. Juhas Juhas. Uh, Alex Holmes was the production designer on this. Mm-hmm. And Alex Juhas was the bookmaker on this film. Oh, and cool. just like the, the, the color palette throughout the whole film was, mm-hmm. was divine. Yeah. And that book was a real treat to look at. So. Yeah. Um, any, any, any others you want to jump into before we get to the device? Oh, tell me the device. Uh, then it's time for... The device. <laughs> uh, I've got one. You've got one? You're going first this time. Okay. I'm going second. A device that this movie uses, um, 
that I often have problems with in horror movies is showing the monster. Huge issue. That was up in my mind the whole time. Please, please. So I, I, that device, um, it's not really a device, but the, the device of the monster in most horror movies ruins the movie for me. I just find when you show me the monster, I'm just not as scared. I, the suspense is that gone. That is absolutely a device from Jaws on. Like yeah. that's, that's been the rule of law is yeah. and hide so, the monster and then show it in the third act. Yeah, exactly. And so this movie, I feel like, um, and also just the design of the monster to me is so, it's so hard to get right? To actually f- design a monster that's scary. Yes, yes. Um, and I did not find this monster scary. I don't find the Duck scary, but I did think they did. They used it well. Mm-hmm. Um, they made the situations scary enough that I didn't mind that the design of the monster itself wasn't scary because it's a children's book, you know, drawing. I thought the design was cool, but when he would go with his fingernails, that was kind of corny. Yeah, that didn't, a little that, bit. It didn't sell for me because, yeah. like, what's next? Are you wiggle right, them or like, right. how does that yeah. create so terror? That is a challenge, I think, of writing horror movies is how do you, like, what do you show, right? And, and I know we're just putting it on the page. We're not necessarily making the movies themselves, yeah. but still, you have to think about that when you're writing your pages. How much are you showing and how are you keeping, like, that tension and, scaring people. Cause a lot of times being, um, overt with your, with your visual stuff is not as scary as hiding things and, and maintaining yes. a certain level of tension and, um, dread of what's to come. Right. Yes. 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 One of the notes I did write down while I was watching it is how can a boogeyman be scarier than a child suffering? Yeah. So the first 45 minutes is just that child alienated from the world. Yeah. And there's no image of a, an adult in a trench coat that could be more yeah. unsettling than, than seeing a child. That's suffering. a good point. Uh, right, right on board with you there. And it, what do you do then? Like, do you do you Blair Witch it and not show any? Uh, that movie did fine without ever showing the thing. True, true. I think. Um, I mean, it's so that's the challenge, right, of writing a, a sort of fresh horror movie is coming up with a way to um, to have a monster or to have a threat that's that's actually scary and finding a way to um, to treat it in your movie that that is scary and not obvious and yeah. not, not just in your, so in your face that you laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think because Spielberg makes it look easy, we mistake it for being easy, hiding the thing mm-hmm. and then revealing it at the right time. It mm-hmm. seems like, Oh, just wait a while longer and then show the thing. And that's, yeah. that's the trick that Spielberg, there's a lot more tricks yeah. he's got up his yeah. sleeve than just not showing jaws. Well, what you just said about, um, you know, a, a children's drawing of a person in a trench coat. Could, there's no way it could be scarier than the first 45 minutes that we saw of a child in pain. Right. I think you hit on something really interesting there, which is by the time the, the actual monster is on screen in the Babadook, um, we're rooting for those characters so much that it's not about how scary that monster is. It's about their life and death fight, yes. you know? Yes. And so, they get away with that monster not being that scary because the situation is just where we want them to fight and survive and get out of this, yeah, you know, yeah. scary and the, thing. And at that point you do get a, a new monster, which is her failing mental health. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a whole new beast that is locked in the house with them. And I love how like the worse it gets, the more isolated she wants to make them. Mm-hmm. That's her solution for everything. Mm-hmm. It, just really a, a perfect descent and how it does feel to, to have that monster chasing. Yeah. Do you struggle with depression? I mean, we don't have to get who, too deep who into doesn't? it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I got a device, yo. Okay. Tell me. Uh, I got two questions 
and four answers I want from everyone. (laughs) And my two questions are, why here, why now? And this film, I kept thinking, like, why is this here and why is this now? Mm -hmm. And I think when you're you're, uh, kicking open Final Draft version 9, I'm not a baller, I don't have 10 yet, I hear some of you are... Um, like the story you're about to tell is why 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 do you have to tell this story? Why is this happening here and why is this happening now? Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how this film evaded the here by making it very ambiguous where mm-hmm. here was, and they evaded the now as well. So it really becomes why here why now? Here is these two people, and now is uh, the fever pitch of of their anxiety and depression mm-hmm. over this shared trauma. Yeah. Um, but the, there's that's that's the internal, and I think every screenwriter should uh, should pull back outside of the film and think of their audience. Why here? Why now? Like what what are you trying to say to a, a community of people? Like sure, it's it, why is this project relevant? Yeah, at this yeah. moment. Yeah. Why do, why does this story need to be told to English speakers? Yeah. At the in this in this year or when it comes out next year, what's sure. what's going on in the zeitgeist? Um, and it just kept echoing this whole film. I was thinking, why here? Why mm-hmm. now? And, and and it wasn't that there was a lack of answer. It was just that it felt that the answer was brilliantly and perfectly embedded in the narrative, that it didn't have to be spoken. Uh, and then I, I enjoyed it. I was mm. really, really thrilled with their, their, uh, their here's and now's. What, and what did you think was the answer to those questions? Um, be, why, why here and why now? Because we, I do think we all have trauma that we are trying to work through. And I think we all need to be reminded that what happens when 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 you isolate yourself in trauma, yeah, and when you drag others kicking and screaming into your own isolation, right? Uh, that 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 it doesn't even come close to a solution, even if it feels like that's the only way. Yeah, um, I would agree. I think that. Um, you know the the themes in the movie are evergreen. It's not necessarily like something that is particularly relevant at any one time because it's relevant all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I think this movie was made, um, and again, the historical knowledge of all movies is, is a little lacking over here, but I can't think of another movie that, that sort of portrayed those themes and tackled those issues in a horror movie as yeah. well. And so I will say that's the why now is just because no one else had done it, you know? And this is exactly why we need more minorities, more women, more people of color in the director's chair and the DP chair, because these are these are beautiful questions and beautiful answers that uh, we uh, I, I hadn't seen this film before. I don't just mean Babadook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hadn't seen this yeah. story told in this way yeah. with this uh, level of emotional impact. Yeah. Uh, so uh, really like beautiful film. Yeah. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. imperfect not perfect but sure. but uh but that doesn't matter <laughs> like, who cares it's perfect yeah i feel like when the when the emotional engagement and the entertainment value sort of reaches a certain level it's okay yeah. that it wasn't perfect there because was i can't complain you know one technical thing that, that that uh i the, the pill the medication she begs for uh-huh. medication for her child we knew that was the wrong way i felt like it was coming very late in the script like you mm. want to be exploring your wrong ways in the first mm. half of act two and i felt like that was a you know like obviously the sedatives aren't going to cure us of the babadook it felt like it was being introduced a little late right but, but if her, that's the, if that's the nitpick right i mean for her she was like i just wanted to go away like she yeah. wasn't really trying to solve her problem necessarily she was still very much in the mindset of give me any relief yeah you know yeah 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 just 
yeah, yeah. stave off the suffering <laughs> so we can sleep for one night. Right. And what a beautiful shot when she falls. Anyway, we can geek yes, out about this film for the, from now till the end of time. Uh, but but uh, is it time to move on? I think it is. Then let's move on to... The Pitch. Excellent. All right. You ready for this one? <laughs> I'm ready. Now, uh, I had a friend in college. Her name is was and is Mary Colston, and she is horror fanatic and also just brilliant. Hmm. I was writing a like a Texas Chainsaw style movie, mm-hmm. and I killed the last person in it, and she said, that's so dumb. The movie isn't scary because people die the movie is scary because one person has to live with that for Mm. the rest of their lives like she just always she knew exactly what was working and what wasn't working um in in a horror film and i'm so glad she's not in the room today because this would be like she'd just be heartbroken i still don't get horror for as much as i love it i was gonna say but you're a big horror fan i love it i yeah and i it, but it's like it's like instinctual. Like she just yeah. knows it yeah. in, okay. in her marrow. And I just I'm on I'm outside the building looking in the window at the cool kids having a party, <laughs> but I'll never be inside on that party. Well, so. let's uh let's make a horror movie that Mary would be proud of. Oh, I hope we can. <laughs> that would be like the be all end all. If I impressed her with a horror film, <laughs> mm-hmm. that would be a life's work. You'd I could feel like you made yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, were in, yeah. you were in the party. There's like yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> Star Wars or Jurassic Park I could ever direct. If, if I got invited to something like that, that would mean nearly as much as impressing her with our film. So, All right. Well, let's hear it. Um, title. And you feel free to interrupt okay. any and all times just because this one is not, this is as close to my A game as I can get. I wasn't slacking, mm-hmm. but um, that doesn't mean it's great. Okay. Uh, title. The Little Girl in the Woods. Okay. Uh, do you want spooky music for this or not? No, I'm okay. Okay. Because I got spooky. I got <laughs> sure more spooky do. music if you need it. <laughs> Uh, poster find her lost leave her found pay the price hmm intriguing okay log line a bachelor party getaway degenerates into deadly chaos when a ghost from the groom's past terrorizes them to the point that they can't tell if it's the sex, the drugs, or the woods themselves killing them. Wow, okay. Yeah, not bad. I mean, we're doing okay so far. Yeah. And if I had to high concept it, I would say Evil Dead by way of Fargo. And that 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 was tucked... The Fargo was tucked on at... The, the last minute, because I was like, maybe it should be a dark comedy. Maybe I could save it at that stage. Got it. So uh, you can listen to this as as kind of like an evil deady, mm-hmm. bi- evil dead by way of Babadook, mm-hmm. where it's very serious and somber and trying best to represent the emotions, mm-hmm. or evil dead by way of Fargo, where it's all ridiculous and everyone's an idiot. Got it. Who's digging their own graves through their ineptitude? Okay. All right, there. There is a, a cast of dozens on this, which is an early indicator that you have a script problem. If okay. you if you need twenty people to tell your story, you might need to rethink what your story is. Okay. All, all you aspiring screenwriters and me out there, uh, well, let's get into it. Let's stop hemming and hawing. Let's okay. stop beating around the bush. We got to film the pitch, don't we? So um, one of us does. <laughs> <laughs> Act one, uh, aka fade up two. Uh, there's a man in the, in the trunk of a car, just, uh, hands bound, uh, duct tape on the mouth, the 
blinded and gagged and all that business okay. rattling along as this this car drives down barrels down the back country roads we finally get to this this old little honky tonk in the middle of nowhere um and then the driver pops open the trunk whips the guy out drags him into the honky tonk and rips the blindfold off and rips the mask off and it's um it's the driver was kyle and the 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 passenger was uh jimmy jimmy's getting married mm-hmm. uh and he's you know he's kind of a fan of escape rooms so kyle's doing it up big for this week weekend getaway mm. nice little twist there huh yeah, yeah. I, do, I do like that opening so it's a surprise to him when he he doesn't know where the, they're going like yeah yeah so so kyle yeah. wraps him up and i don't even think kyle does i think someone else is the one who, who yeah. assaults him and kyle I, gives him a little bit of warning like we're doing it big this weekend i like that opening if because if you had not told me the log line and i knew there was a bachelor party involved that would have been a very surprising turn of events yeah, so yeah. good good opening um so he shows up at the bar and and his mates from childhood and, and a mate from work is there so there's uh rick is his best friend from childhood they grew up together like they would all be playing out in the woods when they were growing up and rick rick is kind of slow you know never made it out of the town okay uh, never had big ambitions but he's very very sincere like he okay. sees the world in a very simple way that it's uh you know like do right or don't do at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's Brian, another friend from more like a high school friend. Brian grew up to be a like a Wall Street power broker, and and Jimmy is kind of like looking at him starry eyed. Like Jimmy's chasing the, the semi fictional American dream, and he sees Brian as like a friend from school who made the millions or right. whatever. And if only I could be like right. him, well, I'm going to get the wife and the picket fence and all the cash. And then there's Gary, which is a uh, Jimmy's friend from work who nobody, nobody from his childhood really knows Gary and Gary doesn't really know anyone from mm-hmm. his childhood. So that's, that's kind of our, our party. And uh, bartender, Linda, she's kind of giving Jimmy the eye. He's, he's an attractive fella. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, she's, you know, Looking at him, kind of sure. interested, and, and Kyle, he's he, he he can't resist a little bit of mischief. Like he he's you know I don't know if you had this when you were growing up, the childhood friend who was always taking jokes a little too far and yeah. pranking a little too much, and let's just stir the pot and see what happens. But they're kind of innocent and innocuous. They just like making mischief a little bit. Jeremy Bush. Jer- Oh, Jeremy Bush, man, that, <laughs> that guy. guy. He was out of control yeah. sometimes, but never, never ill-intentioned. Right, just no. like, let's see what we can do. Yeah. You know, you know exactly who yeah. I'm talking about. That's Kyle. Okay. Um, so Kyle gets Linda over to the table and uh, Jimmy and Linda actually hit it off. They're having a good time chatting with each other. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, and Jimmy is your groom to be. He's the groom okay. to be. Just making sure. And she sort of kind of insinuates herself into the group and up the hill with them to the cabin that they're planning to go to for the weekend getaway of mm. some some wild party and just mm. a, a really big, uh, big old getaway. Now, uh, th- this wouldn't be too much of a problem, but uh, Gary, he takes this as permission to find some girl of his own in this little honky tonk to bring up the mountain with him. And that's mm. not really kosher, but he kind of goes all in on that. So Gary gets his girl. And uh, most of them head off in, in uh, Brian's SUV and they go up and uh, uh, Gary's got his own car and he brings this girl. They, they don't even know that he's bringing, him up, mm, bringing her up. Okay. So they get up there with Linda and all the boys and Gary shows up with this girl. And that, that's not very cool because they're not even quite sure. And I will tell you that Brick ruined straws for me. Whenever I see a straw, I just think of that scene from Brick when he's blowing into it. <laughs> Got it. That's um, why you're giving me weird looks. No, because it's just, that's all I can think about. It's a life-changing film. So they get up the mountain, right? 
uh, Gary's got his his little uh, Lisa squeeze, and uh, no, nobody's too happy about this because they aren't even convinced she's eighteen years old. Mm, but okay. uh, he, you know, so he's kind of this outsider, and yeah. he's not acting right. Yeah, and it's already like a little tenuous if Linda should be there anyway. Yeah. But she's cool. Like she's she's, she's a lifetime bar time okay. bartender. Sure, but like she was made for the job. Not yeah. she didn't learn how to be a bartender day one. She right. was killing it. She knew how to how to rock that party. Yeah. Um, so they get, they, they, uh, get up the mountain and, and we get a little bit of time with them starting to party and they're starting to do some of the, did, did you ever go to a party with, with mushroom honey? What? Okay. <laughs> so mushroom honey is you like, you say so many things that I just have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> mushroom honey is when you get a whole bunch of like, uh, hallucinogenic caps and you crush them up and you mix them into honey. And I am this. clearly not a drug user. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then, like, uh, not you, you can plead the fifth. Have you ever eaten mushrooms? No. They taste horrible. Okay. They are, like, barely edible. And this is a, a one, not that we're advising any of our listeners. But if you were going to, yeah, this is how you would do this it. This is one way to make I them see. palatable. That's why I they're see. usually in chocolates or something. I did not know that. To, to, they taste terrible. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, so Brian's got some, some really good mushroom honey up okay. with them. Um, uh, Lisa's a little bit of a poo bear and she gets in that honey a little too hard. Uh, Brian's got some world-class drugs with him. I mean, he's coming in from New York, so mm-hmm. he's got the, the pharmaceuticals. Like he's, he's coming to party with his old high school mate. Okay. So he's bringing, he's bringing the goods. He's pulled out all the stops for this one. Uh, Lisa, Lisa gets into it a little too much and she starts kind of freaking out mm. and then she disappears into the woods and, and finds, uh, the, the tool shed. And stumbles on on uh, uh, wouldn't you know it a, 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 a dismembered corpse. Good lord, that's terrible. Holy cow! Where in the movie are we? <laughs> this is act beginning of act two. Okay, so what do you think your break into two is? Or uh, going up the mountain. Okay, so when they go to the cabin. Yeah, got yeah, it. Going up. That's that's uh, when when the die is cast. When Linda's along, okay. and uh, Linda and Lisa are the two kind of like that's once they're mixed into it, mm-hmm. there's no turning back because of the rest of the. Okay. And they're they're the. They're the wrong choices. Like our Jimmy should not yeah. be inviting a girl up to his bachelor party. Yeah. Should we talk analysis now or you want to finish yeah, the pitch? Yeah, what have you got? What have you got? Well, I just this brings up um something that came up in another consult earlier this week, actually. So it's kind of a coincidence, or maybe that's just why I'm noticing it. But mm-hmm. one thing that happens in some scripts is um the break into two, even though you have thought about it and you like have kind of constructed the circumstances to do what they need to do as far as sort of like creating the new situation that the characters are in, that they're going to be in for, for the rest of act two, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a turn in the story. Does that, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, so, so, um, I don't know where you're going with this, but yeah, it, yeah. It conceivably, no, please, please. conceivably it could feel like, um, nothing really happens between page one and your midpoint if you don't have a stronger break into two. Like if it doesn't feel like the story is sort of turning in a new direction, like a discernibly new direction. And I don't know, I don't know yet if that feels strong enough, if it's just them leaving the bar, going to the cabin uh, with girls, because that kind of feels similar to what they were doing before. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So just as something to think about. Um, And maybe when I hear the rest of the story, maybe we can come back to that and talk about other options. It won't become clearer. (laughs) (laughs) But but when I know where the story goes, we we can figure out how to, how to really put a pin in that, that act to break. Right. 
to strengthen it a bit. Yeah. Yes, absolutely agree. The the body the body was uh, Kyle's girlfriend who it was meant to for Jimmy. He oh. was supposed to find her in there, not some d- tripping out mushroom <laughs> underage girl. You're gonna just because you, there are so many characters, you'll have to remind me who is Kyle again. His prankster. His prankster friend. Prankster friend. Who's oh, organizing so she's the not dead. No, 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 no. No, she's just okay. she's just all made up. She was to just look. there to scare. Yeah, because okay. he's got this weekend plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's supposed no, to be like that this. makes sense now. Yeah, okay. yeah, and the wrong person found found, right. found the corpse. Okay, uh, and the wrong person was tripping when she found the corpse, and the wrong person is the, uh, inconsolable in a state of like hysteria. So she runs back to the cabin and is freaking out. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Uh, at least according to my notes, this sure. could change. We, sure. the, the notes are in permanent ink, but the ideas are not. <laughs> um. So uh, the the others are trying to uh, they they get Lisa back into the cabin and the others are trying to like calm her down. Mm-hmm. She's way overloaded at this point, um, locked up in the woods in the forest with a whole bunch of people who are 10, 12, 15 years older than sure. she is. Uh, totally unprepared for this. And uh, the, the consensus is Kyle and Helena, like we got to just step outside for a minute. <laughs> you are not welcome in this talk down session. Yeah. Um, so they step out onto the, the porch and that's uh, when they see this kind of like uh, this ashy little girl wearing nothing but, but an, an aviator jacket and, you know, like little girl underwear under it, like uh Little girl underwear. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's not naked under it. That's my point. But she okay. doesn't. She isn't dressed for being outside. Sure. Uh, she, she's she's moving in 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 just whiteness, and she moves with the weight like she's got seven thousand pounds on her shoulder. And as she she approaches, like if she walks by a tree and touches it, the tree will start to deform into mist. This is a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And she sees she sees Kyle and, and Helena on the on the porch. So she she walks up and she's very very puzzled by by Helena, like this this girl who's covered in blood and got gashes mm-hmm. all over her and really a, ma- a mess of a woman. And she's just staring and staring, very very puzzled by this this figure. So she walks up to Helena and uh, they're they're both kind of high and not really sure what's going on. And um, the the little we call her Ash. Little Ash, uh, like, reaches out to try to touch some of the wounds, the fake wounds. Mm-hmm. And when she does, uh, Helena starts to to vaporize. And the little girl starts to look more and more afraid of what she's doing. So she tries to grab on and grab on and hold on to hold on to Helena. But the more she holds on to her, mm. the more she she dissipates. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he- Helena's gone mm-hmm. with a capital gone. <laughs> and poor Kyle uh is is in is uh, in an, an elevated state of 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 consciousness and uh, now fear too. Yeah. Um. So he goes back into the cabin to try to try to explain what what's what he just saw, and no, nobody wants to hear it from his his prankster ass. Like he's done enough damage already mm-hmm. on this trip that everything's everything's rough rough so rough enough already. So nobody want nobody wants uh, to hear it, um, except for Rick. Okay. Rick, Rick, Rick is is suspiciously puzzled. This might come up later. Okay. Any questions so far? Any anything that's not um, sticking? I don't have questions. I'm just thinking about your structure, and I think that um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just like listening to what you're saying. It feels like maybe the your break into two should be something to do with the little girl and the first. Like get him up on the mountain earlier. Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit earlier. I mean, not a ton earlier, but um, your it seemed like. 
most of it, like you get that great teaser, which I think is awesome. And then mo- the rest of act one and into act two is sort of like things going wrong at the party. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then if you think about it, like the first real moment of scariness that we get is when the girl shows up, like you have the kind oh, of jump it's cat scare. scares. It's total fake. Right. Fake you out. get the jump yeah. scare of, of Helena, but that's yeah. not a real danger. Right. So yeah. then no, 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 and no. it's a horror movie. So, yes. yeah. you know, I'm we, thinking get to the scares faster. Yep. 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 I, I, I do not disagree with yep. you in this moment. <laughs> um, so, uh, Linda, wants out of all this forever she like this is not what she signed up for she thought mm-hmm. they were just going to go up and have some brews and shoot the shit and maybe you know like fire a shotgun into the woods in the middle of the night for fun or whatever <laughs> okay. like this is not what she signed up for uh kyle also wants off the mountain so brian agrees to drive them both down and and uh rick insinuates himself in that ride because he wants to hear more. Brian is the, uh, no, 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 no. Rick, Rick is the slow one who, mm. who uh, is earnest and sincere. He wants to hear more about what Kyle has to say. Mm. Um, they, they are driving down the mountain, mm-hmm. uh, and they see Ash in the middle of the road, at which point Kyle grabs the, the steering wheel to drive the car out of the way, landing them upside down in a ditch. Uh, Brian has the, the, uh, the steering column it jammed into his chest. Like uh, chances are slim for Brian. Mm. Um, uh, and, and Ash finds them and tries to pull Brian out of the car, but, uh, did n- to, to no avail. He, she, he vaporizes mm. too. Um, Linda says, I'm done with you all. I'm going down the mountain my own way. Um, and she, she just, she walks off into the night and Kyle in a mad panic runs back up to the, to the cabin. Um, when when he gets there, um, if he's alone at this point. No, no, no. He's with uh, it's, Rick. It's, yeah, Kyle and Rick are both mm-hmm. back up the hill now. Okay. When they get there, uh, Jimmy's Jimmy's trying to to uh, flag them down. To, to, to no, no, no. They get up to the porch and find uh, Gary. What what's left of Gary? Okay. Uh, is smeared all over the the porch. Okay. Um. Uh, whatever, whatever happened, they, they are trying to put it together as quickly as possible. And, uh, it becomes obvious that, that Lisa has found herself a shotgun, uh, and, and, uh, is, is barricading herself in the cabin in a a full blown psychotic (laughs) panic up there. Um, the, the, the three, the three fellas, they hide behind a rock or a tree or something Mm. and try to figure out a plan. And uh, Rick reckons the best that he can try to do is sneak under the sneak under the cabin, like go under the floorboards and try to sneak in somehow mm-hmm. to disarm her. Like if mm-hmm. he can get in and, and disarm her, he's willing to take that risk if it means that she can that they can possibly save this situation. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look very salvageable at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, he he crawls under the floorboards, which as quietly as he goes, she does hear it and uh, hallucinates that it is vermin coming up through the floorboards for her and just starts taking shots at the ground, uh, grazing Rick's leg. And maybe his arm too, haven't decided. <laughs> Want to take a breather? Any any thoughts? Are you uh, still with me on no, this? Yeah, or yeah, is yeah. It- so the things that I like about it so far are that... Um, you're doing a really good job of of um, throwing shit at your <laughs> your characters, which is which is good. So you have the um, the sort of unrelated external thing that they have to deal with in Lisa hallucinating yeah. and and 
basically trying to kill them for her own reasons. Um, and then on top of Justifiable. that, we don't know what Gary was up to while they were gone. Uh, sure. But you have, um, but then you also have kind of the, the supernatural mystery element, yeah. right? Which is, um, the, I guess, bigger threat probably ultimately yes. is my guess. Yes. Um, so I like that you have both of those things going on. It feels, it makes the story feel more full, you know, more interesting, more dynamic a little bit. That's what I was betting on. Yeah, keeping and your characters sort of on their toes. I'm my worry as, while writing this is like, are, is it? Does it feel like this is two separate stories that I'm trying to shoehorn together? I think it could, but I. But right now, it doesn't to me. Let's, okay, let's okay. see where it goes. See, but yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. I think it's it's a good um, situation. Uh, that I think if you just get too faster, it'll be a stronger yeah, pitch. Okay, okay. But um, I, the one question I do have for you at Hit this me. point is, so the guys know that there's a woman with a shotgun in the cabin. Um, why aren't they just going for help at this point? Uh, because they are an hour by car okay. up the hill All right. and don't know the way down in the dark. Got it. So, so they're just the trying drive to figure out, like, from the bar to the cabin was an hour? Y- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm wondering, why don't they just go to the bar and call the police? You know, Linda... <laughs> Linda, she knows she, the she knows the lay of the land. She knows okay. where to go. She knows the roads. Oh, so she's going to call the police. She has she she has a chance of of making it down the mountain. Okay, these tourists, uh, sure, they're they're as good as lost. Got it. Okay, so they couldn't make it down the mountain without her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that's she's the only one who it seemed appropriate could possibly have Got a it. chance. And she doesn't even need to make it back to the bar. She just needs to make it to somewhere where there is reception, where sure. she can make a phone call. If there's a payphone that she knows about somewhere at a, yeah. you know, like a, a cabin outpost or something for the Rangers, whatever yeah. it is. And she would know this. They wouldn't. Uh, they're all in a very heightened state and not really like she's in no mood and they're in no mood to negotiate these. Mm-hmm. Well, we could walk down to Ranger sure. Riggs. So that's kind of I'm yeah. hoping we can we can buzz by those. Justify some of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Didn't want to, like, that's, it's a lot of mechanics that aren't yeah. necessary for the macro view. I mean, as long as you, view. as long as it makes sense that there's a reason that they need to sort of stay around the cabin, you know, for her to come back and find or whatever to reconnect with. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think we'll be wondering, like, they know there's a lot of danger here. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't they take their chances elsewhere, you know? They're hedging mm-hmm. their bets on two miles back to the cabin, and they don't know where Lisa's at and what's been going on while they've been gone. Yeah, no, but I mean, after they yeah. find the car carnage yeah yeah, yeah. it's sort of like why would they stay around the cabin yeah it's like it's two miles back to the cabin or 45 miles down to the honky-tonk bar that they know about Mm -hmm. um but you but you do need that reason why they would stick around once they see lisa has a shotgun yeah you know and i think that reason probably has something to do with like if we get too far away from the cabin Linda won't be able to find us with help. That's know? a very good solution yeah. to an obvious problem. <laughs> Let me write that down quickly. That's this one does need that kind of help. Like there are there are I mean every that, horror movie needs that kind of help, you know what I mean? It's it, like it just an justifying why the characters are doing what they're doing. It, an increasingly difficult exercise in keeping people isolated. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, so where are we at? Um, okay, so they finally uh, Lisa finally does run out of ammunition. They finally do subdue her, get her strapped to a chair until this girl can come down off off all the, that she's on. Um, uh, as 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 Kyle uh, dresses Rick Rick's wounds, uh, Rick, Rick starts talking and saying like, "We knew Ash. We, this is not a mystery." Mm. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy does not remember this is when they were when they were little kids uh rick and jimmy they were out in the in the woods making a fort now 
uh, like how much do you think about dog feces? <laughs> well, I have a dog, so <laughs> okay. I think about it quite a lot, actually, okay, so, unfortunately. Like you can understand that, that if you're an eight-year-old, that's a very cost-effective, offensive and defensive weapon for uh-huh. a four. <laughs> I would not have. Nope. <laughs> okay. But you could... You, that must be a little boy thing. It's a little boy thing. Okay. Um, so they're building this fort, and they've got their their dog feces stored okay. away just in case. Gross. They, they see this little girl running through the woods, and Jimmy says, "Let's scare her away." So they start chucking the the feces at her, mm. um, and the 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 she she keeps running, and Jimmy forgot about this day, mm. but Rick didn't because a, a, like a week after that happened. He saw in the newspaper that this girl uh, turned up dead, that she was trying to run away from her abusive father. And when they could have helped her, they didn't. Mm. And this, that was the, the worst day of Rick's life was, was that day when they were building the fort. And then what he learned later about what, what they had done, mm. Jimmy didn't even remember it happened. Mm-hmm. Like it was blank slate for him. When, when Rick tells the story, he goes, oh yeah, that, that did happen. Mm-hmm. When he was a kid, did he learn as Rick did, that she no, had been running. No, okay, no, no, so he no, never no. knew that sort of part of the story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And R- Rick never told him because I, I think he had this feeling of like, why, why, why share ruin, the misery? Yeah, why ruin someone else's day? Yeah. And there's like kind of the 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 issue at the court. Like there's this feeling from Rick throughout the whole story. I wish I'd set this up better, but uh, he's feeling a little bit alienated from from Jimmy and Jimmy's starry eyes at at Brian mm. and Jimmy's work friend Gary and. Okay. Uh, and he's got this feeling and he tells Jimmy, like, there's this, I, I feel like you, you changed since we were kids. And then and when all this comes out, he realizes like the problem isn't that you've changed. It's that you haven't changed at all. You're mm. still very isolated and you're very, you live for yourself. You don't mm. really like, you, you don't think outside yourself or live outside yourself. And that, that happened that day. And now it's, it's still here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's the, the backstory. Okay. And does what that happen that? around the midpoint? Or where are you in the story? That is a post-credit sequence. <laughs> no, this is like the the second half of of Act Two as it's okay. written. Um, but I don't disagree with you that we need to front. Like, oh no, I was to, just trying to get my you know placement in in your story. This is kind of like a, the, a a little bit. It's meant to be a calm before the storm, but I don't know how much of a storm we have in Act Three coming okay. your way. All right. But that was meant to be like you know like the five ten minutes before. We yeah, yeah. So the, sort of the quiet. Yeah, uh, yeah. At the end of Act Two. Yeah, kind of dressing the wounds. Okay. Uh, regrouping, rethinking about what's what going on. What were you on. thinking your midpoint was at this in in this version? Um, if you go by word count, it's when they get back to the the cabin and Lisa's kind of peeking in a, in a very strange way, but we could change that. So when they get to the cabin and she has shot, uh, Gary. Yeah. And there can Mm -hmm. be, I think there's a lot of tension that can be milked from that of the, the, what happened, like, uh, 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 Brian, no, uh, Rick and Kyle pumping Jimmy for information about what chaos unfolded in their absence. Yeah. Um, I mean, that definitely is a good, midpoint turning point, I think, because like they're, they think they're going back to safety and what they're actually going back to is a more dangerous situation than they had. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think though that since the Lisa complication is really just a complication to your A story, which is the, which is the ghost story. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of like the main focus, I think. Is that does that feel I would, right to you? I would hope so. And if it is, we need more bits and baubles <laughs> with the ghost. Well, so I'm just thinking that your midpoint, you probably want that to involve the ghost somehow. Um, 
You want uh, the, you want the A story to show up at your midpoint, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or you want or the situation at the midpoint to in some way increase the difficulty of solving that A story problem or you know what I mean? Like you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So you so in some way I think your A story needs to come in there. Um and then to me, it feels like you don't have quite enough going on between that midpoint and the quiet of the low point that you, that you're telling me about. Man, you remember like three minutes ago when you were like, yeah, you keep heaving on the shit really well. <laughs> <laughs> that died quick. True, but it's not unsolvable. It's not unsolvable. I'm just pointing yeah. out the areas. That yeah. I think, no, no, no. Know. I do not disagree with you at all. There's, yeah. This is um, not my strongest genre. I like to believe that I could write any genre as long as sure. there are human characters that we can relate to emotionally that I, I want to be able to say that I can jump into it. But uh, yeah. let's let's well, talk I think a, real. a good I mean, a good thing to have happen might be um, because you have Linda who's still gone. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming you're bringing her back in act three. Yes. So, I mean, just just a spitball, like maybe something happens, the ghost comes back in some way that they don't see her, but she comes back uh, and at first they think help is coming, but it turns out to be more more of your genre horror stuff, more, yep, right? Yep, coming ash in. Antics. Yeah, only and I only say that because it felt like the the what you described was the midpoint was finding Lisa and her mm-hmm. gun and the and the carnage that she has wrought. And then um I don't think you mentioned the ghost story in the second half of act two other than, other than them talking about the backstory of it. Yes. Yes. You are absolutely right. And that's a huge, huge (laughs) that that might be a hole to look at. (laughs) Busted. (laughs) But again, not, excuse me, not unsolvable. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I I think I gave you fair warning what we were getting into today. This, it's not terrible, but it does need a little, like it needs more pushing and pulling more massaging than, than the previous ones. I I feel, um, act three, you want to do it or are you out? No, do it. Okay. So now the, the the big question is what do we do with this cabin full, half full of corpses and other half full of missing persons that, that will not be coming back. Um, and, and Jimmy has a bright idea. We're going to put this on Lisa. Okay. She's our fall guy. Okay. Uh, Okay. At this point, at this point, we, they have been up for, it's, you know, at the, at the break of day. Right. uh, And they've been, they've been, it's been a night of wild drug use like what started out as yeah. a fun drug party is now like they're all sweaty and uh, you know, coming down off of it and panicked and not thinking clearly in any way shape or form yeah. okay um hoping that 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 plays well if that works in the script ways to make them just dripping with it in the bags and yeah the, you know how it goes or maybe you don't i don't but i can imagine we can imagine <laughs> um I make my sound, myself sound like I was a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Never knew this side of you. No, no, no. Uh, I was a softy. <laughs> Tylenol PM knocks me out, puts me on what, what others would need a uh, heroin injection to <laughs> nice. get. So let's, let's adjust the needle if we can. Um, uh, uh, then that's when Rick says, like, the problem isn't that you've changed too much. There mm-hmm. isn't a distance beca- between us because you've changed. It's because you are a monster. Mm-hmm. You are living wrong. You have always lived wrong. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Rick reminds them that it's their word against Lisa's at this point. To which Jimmy responds, I, I meant we kill her. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> and then we put it on her. So uh, that, 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 that is, he, he tries. He 
wraps his hands around Lisa's throat and he's going to do it. Like he's going to, he's going to execute her and then put the whole thing on her. Not a clearly thought out plan, but he is yeah. not in a clear thinking state. That right. is not, like, let me impress that. I don't yeah. think this is it. That that's, why, that's why I'm buying in. <laughs> okay. He doesn't, a rational person would not think they're going to get away with this strategy. Right. Uh, Rick, Rick throws the doors open and is, is calling out to Ashley. Now the little girl from before trying to get her attention and bring her closer. And, uh, she, she comes, she comes, she comes and she sees this act of grotesque violence that the Jimmy is exactly on Lisa and she just gently puts her hand on his wrist in a loving way and like I'm a here for you way the result is the same but uh, her intention like you can see in her face that there's never really malice in her face it's more mm. curiosity and more compassion and more kind of like a, a, trying to pull trying to trying to be close to people who need sure. help or trying to trying to pull people out of anguish mm-hmm. always goes wrong for her mm-hmm. but um, uh, that's that's uh, murder, murder. She wrote on on Jimmy. Um, uh, uh, Li- Linda screeches in her four, four wheels at this point, very conveniently timed. Um, and and she, you can debate this because it's sounding stupid before I say it. Okay. She has managed to track down uh, the fiancé somehow. Okay. I imagine digging through Jimmy's phone when they okay. were all uh, hanging out at the cabin. And the fiancé got there before the police? Before the police. Okay. Like, they just booked it up the up the mountain. Where was the fiancé? The off screen? <laughs> Is that going to work? I feel like that might need a little... Nah. Tightening up on the logic there. Perfect. But sure, we'll go with it for now. That's that's called me Thursday morning before we're supposed to record in a mad panic, trying to be like, how do I tie this shit up? Okay. Um uh da, 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 da. Rick Rick looks at Ashley and, and just approaches her with the same kindness, the same compassion and curiosity that she has approached everything with so far. Mm-hmm. And he puts his arms around her and apologizes sincerely from the bottom of his heart. And the last thing that, that Stacy, Linda, and Lisa see is is uh Rick and the little little Ash okay. fade away from, from living. Uh Lisa stumbles out and collapses into Linda's arms. Mm-hmm. The end. Okay. I just had a I just had a realization. So I think the part of your, if we're just talking about sort of like, um, horror movie tropes, right. And kind of like the, the meta structure of horror movies, the part of your story that you're missing, which I think is your second half of act two is the part where they understand what the problem is and try to solve it in terms of your ghost story. So, you know, the part of every movie, every horror movie where they're like, you're making me think that Mary's not a genius. I'm just like a complete moron. Because I'm looking, I'm sitting here starry-eyed like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> right? does happen. Right, I mean, it just occurred to me when you were wrapping it up that I was like, oh, the how did how did Rick know that he could just hug her, right? Like, they need to come up with that. They need to have a theory of the case earlier yeah. in the movie where they're like, the little girl from the past, she needs us to resolve something for her yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. Like, however you're going to plan that out so that they have something to do in the A story yes. in the second half of the movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense though, right? Yeah, yeah, br- brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I uh um my emotion is self-loathing. Oh. <laughs> so. Don't you don't have to be self-loathing about this. I don't I really don't think it was that bad. I think there's 
a little bit of the story that you're sort of missing, but, um, but I don't think it's a bad setup. I mean, I love your teaser actually. I think that's really great. Um, you know, the, the setup of the story, which is like a bachelor party where everything goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, I won't say that I haven't seen that before, but I don't think I've seen it in a horror movie. If you think that I think that I was the first one to be like <laughs> bachelor party gone wrong, right. no, but, no, no. But I mean, I, I don't think I have. I think there's a pretty major franchise, right? Right. But I'm saying that's comedy, yeah, right? And yeah. even dark comedy with uh, that. Um, I mean, it feels like just in the last week or two, we were watching a pre-wedding party going awry. What? Who? Did we what? not do braids, braids, braids bits? Oh yeah, we did. But that wasn't a bachelor party. No, no, but it was still a pre-wedding party <laughs> sure, going horribly sure. awry. Totally threw way. me off there. I was like, what movie did we watch? Uh, yeah, but but again, I mean, I'm I haven't seen every horror movie ever made, but I don't think I have seen a bachelor party gone wrong in a horror movie. Maybe I'm wrong about that. So it feels new in that way to me, right? The setup, even though I've seen similar things. Um, so I think all of that is good. Uh, you know, and we got our, our like uh, act one trailer moments of like yeah. the buddies hanging now yeah. and driving up the hill. Dismembered and, bodies. Yeah. 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 Um, no, but I think uh, so your setup makes sense, has some unique elements, which is great. You've isolated them nicely in the cabin, which is great. Um, like I said, you were doing a lot of things to throw problems in their way, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. It felt like there was a lot going on there. I think what happened is it sort of uh, became focused on the subplot of the Lisa and the drug stuff going wrong. Nailed it, nailed right. It, it, and yeah. then you kind of forgot about the a story, which was like, we actually need to solve this problem of why this ghost is haunting us. Right. So would you believe me if the a story was the second one that came to <laughs> mind? Like it was originally just about the, the party gone wrong. Oh. And I started thinking like, what if this happened? And yeah, I would believe that. Uh, no, I mean, I would believe it, but I was yeah. because I was just thinking like, oh, I can actually see the sort of slasher version of this where it's just about this girl who goes off the rails yeah. and becomes like this crazed killer, not, you know, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. actually a great sort of monster in the house moment, right? Because they invited this in. Yes. yes. Um, so I could see that version of it, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, either either could exist. Neither do right now. I don't <laughs> think we could we could put a bow on either of those stories. Um, yeah, it's you know, I could see that version where it is just the girl gone crazy and she's yeah. killing everyone and it's a survival thing. Which one do you reckon is more fun? Like, which would you rather watch? Given I, the choice? I think if you can make the ghost story thing, if you can if you can fill that out and mm-hmm. actually turn that into a whole story, I like that version more because I feel like it's very hard to have the um, sort of one room horror story and not feel like you're just repeating beats. Like yes, when it's yes. done well, it's done really well. Um, and Hush, I think was the name of the movie. It came out a couple years ago on Netflix. Great, great version of that. It's one woman in a house being terrorized by one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, great job. You should totally watch that if you, if you want to yeah, do that version yeah. of it. Um, but it's really hard to do that. And I think it would be especially hard to make this one feel like the tension was there the whole way, whole way through without the ghost story because it's a bunch of guys against one crazy one, girl. Yeah, preteen, like one, yeah. not preteen, not but, pre-teen. Uh, <laughs> but underage girl. Right, yeah. right. you think that they might be able to overpower they'd her figure with physicality. Out, yeah, they'd figure out some way, you know, because she's not in her right mind. Yeah. She's not, you know what I mean? No, so, one of them could get the drop on her eventually yeah. if, they kept the, if they kept at it. Or they could just run away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. I feel like that one's harder to make work. I could see that version of it and if you could do enough justifying that we'd buy in. I think that you could do that, but, um, but I actually like something about the, the 
because it's like we talked about with the bridesmaids uh, discussion, Mm -hmm. there's something nice in kind of the thematic stuff of like this pivotal time in their lives and the past kind of coming back for a reckoning. Uh, I think that part of the, the sort of lore of your story is a little bit missing. So that's, you know, like you have the backstory there, but I don't really understand so much what the main character needed to learn or why he did wrong. Like, I know you told me that, Oh, yeah, he's always yeah. been kind of a jerk, yeah, but yeah. It's, he yeah. didn't, he if also didn't on the know. Page, on the stage. <laughs> he also didn't know about that turn of events in the past. So this is like all news to him. Like maybe he would have led a better life if his friend had told him, Hey, you're kind of a jerk. You had, you know, you took part in this event where the little girl actually needed our help. Like yeah, his friend yeah. actually hindered him from becoming a better person by not sharing that with him. Yeah, that's and that's a moment where <laughs> I feel like like in uh, I'd only have a week to come up with these. So yes. with a couple more days, like that's a wrench that would have ended up in the gears. It's like, what if yeah. we what if he did tell him? Right. And then let's explore that. And kind of like, yeah, it, it does break things. And yeah. then if you fix them, it's better. But uh, but I didn't. That was one thing I didn't have time to break because the, yeah. the ash broke so much. Yeah. Of what I was trying to, and I don't mean the good way, like the st- we broke story in the right, room. Right. I mean like that was a wrench in the gear that like unhinged. Yeah, it was half sort of what like I was doing. You came up with the main concept much later than you normally would have. I think yeah. it sounds like you were working on the concept being this girl gone crazy on drugs, yep, and yep, then yep, yep. and then you sort of went, oh, but what if we did this? And then you just didn't have enough time to yeah, pursue yeah. the what if we did this thing. But I don't disagree with you. I do think that the ghost story is worth pursuing. I think ghost stories are very fun. Yeah, and you haven't. I mean the the interesting thing about yours that I haven't seen before is that she makes people disappear. So it's actually like, you're kind of taking the horror genre and actually giving it a little bit more of a thriller taste or, or tone because there's something scary to the people involved, you know, the people in that situation, but it doesn't have the blood and guts that you expect from a horror movie, you know? So I think if you can play that for tension, Mm -hmm. right. And then you kind of have this runner of the, the crazed girl, like throwing more wrenches into their trying to solve the a story problem. That might be really interesting, you know? Yeah, no, you could get, you could get a lot of really interesting chaos out of, out of, them trying to do work on this this very yeah. this ghost thing well right well psychopath right is, and is, and the psychopath not realizing that they have this other problem so she's not yeah. working with the group right she's just throwing more problems in their way the one question that just came up as you were talking about it though is Uh-oh. how why wouldn't they just somehow bring the ghost and Lisa together and make Lisa disappear <laughs> uh I because. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, so rules of the world to work yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there, there are some, there are some, some missing ingredients. In yes, yeah. I mean that's the hardest part. I think when you're doing anything that has this sort of supernatural element, is making sure that the rules of the world are clear and um, consistent. I think through mm-hmm. the story, and you know, and then just inventing that stuff also is a challenge too, because you're trying to invent a, a legend, a lore for yeah, the, for your story. Yeah. So I think she's she's mainly. Pulled. Well, that doesn't even cut the mustard. I was going to say she's more, mainly pulled towards like people who are in in uh, clear suffering, and mm-hmm. ain't nobody in this script in clear suffering more than Lisa. Like she's yeah, in, yeah. she's in a very bad way. So yeah. that, 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 that doesn't doesn't pass yeah. the, the smell test at all. <laughs> but yeah, but I think if you had more time to develop that yeah. story, you, yeah. you that you 
could come up with a way where that would sort of become the focus of the movie, the real sort of conceit of the movie being this um, ghost from the past coming back at a very inconvenient time and some sort of reckoning that they have to yeah. have. And you're, you know, and, and you've built in kind of the setup for some good character stuff too. And for those of you watching on our YouTube feed, you're just going to have to deal with that. <laughs> um, but but I liked where you were going with the characters. Again, it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, developing yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, but nice work. So, hey, the, 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 the crummier a pitch I do, the more space you have to kind of tap dance and show, show your shine. Uh, well, I will. One last comment about yes. it. You're normally very good at titles. I did not like this title as much that's my last you think I did? that's my last criticism you think I did? <laughs> <laughs> i'll take all your other titles get ready uh i already watched next week's movie oh, okay uh, and have the title for that and i think oh, you'll like it more okay. than this excellent one. i don't think this was a bad pitch i think you no, did no, 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 no. i think you did a good job pitching what you had you just didn't have enough time to sort of um tighten up all aspects of this and pitch. it's just not my wheelhouse like i don't know why i don't get it i love it and i watch <laughs> it but i just don't get it like, i find that i'm sorry that that gives you so much pain but i find that kind of funny that you lo- i know you love horror movies and, so and apparently much. that's the like hardest I, one for you to maybe that's why Maybe, oh, maybe it's like you the, just like the, revere the, horror so much that you are intimidated by it or something. Yeah, it's the, the most beautiful girl in your class that you'll never yeah. ask out because she's too yeah. beautiful. <sighs> I have stuff like that, too, that I just won't even touch writing because I like I know that I love it and I admire it so much. It's just not my thing. Like, have to you write. ever written a, a, a trashy action girl or whatever? What was that? Genre no, called? I haven't. Okay. <laughs> so, OK. Woman kicking ass. Yes, woman kicking ass. <laughs> Or Trashy Action Girl, whatever you want to call it. I like that one better, Trashy Action Girl. All right. Thank you so much for for your patience on that one. Yeah. It's not, no patience required. I like hearing the pitches and I like talking about stories, so. Um, I'm not going to tell you much more about next week, just that I think it's better. But let's let's mention the movie that we are intended to watch for next week. Let's yes. Just so everyone knows. Yes. Uh, do you want it? You do it. I'll give you the honors this week. Actually, I forgot. What movie are we watching? It's A Quiet Place. Oh, we're watching A Quiet Place next yes. week. Yes. Yes. So, Very exciting. So hopefully people listening will have time to watch that. You have a whole week to watch it and then listen to our, our hot takes. <laughs> apparently our, uh, our expert <laughs> opinions. And, hey, I'll say this. John Krasinski, he's like the hottest take of them all. Is he? You don't think he's hot? Like physically hot? Like uh, uh, that kind of like paternally hot. No, I don't get that from him, but I, but I know other people do. You just see the action hero underneath it all. I know other people get that from him. I, I, it's not that I don't find him attractive. I think he's a very attractive guy. I think he's goofy attractive. I don't get paternal from him. Maybe that's what I, that's how I see fathers, (laughs) I suppose. Yeah. Maybe he's just not old enough for me to see him as a father. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, quiet places next week. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your feedback on that. Yeah. Let us move on to something, anything else. No <laughs> movies are welcome at this table. We have interests. We are fully developed human adults oh who, have, who have who uh, have d- dreams and hobbies outside of the film industry. Tell me about yours. Well, this week, my dreams and hobbies involved a lot of Theraflu, uh, which I can't recommend highly enough. <laughs> you ever, you, do you ever drink NyQuil at breakfast? No. I'm starting to think you have a problem, <laughs> though. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, no, I have not tried that. Um, I will take it under advisement. <laughs> but I will say, if you want to get a good night's sleep, man, Theraflu, that is, that's your friend. 
I am obviously not a big experimenter I, with the drugs. Can I say something absolute with no ambiguity? <laughs> I do not drink. I do not do drugs. I have not. I haven't for years. Okay. Like, I am sure absolutely clean. <laughs> I had my fun when I was in college and before then as well. But uh, absolutely. Do not do any drugs. I don't take Tylenol anymore. We believe you. It's true. <laughs> Get out of here. I, I uh, what is your life. mom listening to this? You don't have to make those no, claims. No, I am absolutely clean, and I have been for years. And there's not even a reason for it. I'm not like sober uh, going to meetings or anything. I just I grew out of it. I was I did my things. I sure. enjoyed my things and okay. doing them, and I'm done doing them. All right. Uh, but it, it, this episode makes me sound like a maniac, which I am not. <laughs> It does a little bit, but that's okay. It's a new, it's a new side of you. Uh, Everything's stone cold sober. Everything on this. Except for the NyQuil at breakfast. Um, I don't do that anymore. (laughs) That's a different era. Got it. Uh, So anyway, so that's my something, anything else really is just, I appreciated the Theraflu so much this week because I was, um, I've said it a million times now, but I was under the weather and I needed the, I needed the help. So here's the thing is stay up all night and then do NyQuil in the morning wow. for breakfast. That's like, that's the ball. Got it. You're not helping your cause. <laughs> what and is, what is your something, anything else this week? I'm trying to think of anything other than drugs. <laughs> and I'm coming up can't. short. No, it's, it's incepted every corner of my mind. We did talk about this before we started recording. Do you remember what my something, anything else was? Nope. I don't think you told me what it was. I thought I had something. I think anything, you did. You did. You did. You just didn't else. tell me what it was. Okay. Can I forfeit this week? I feel like SD that's such cards. a letdown. I was looking forward to it. Let me tell you all about memory cards for cameras. There, uh, <laughs> and, and wall plugs are great. All right. Um, no, I'm, I, if I can think of it, I will. I will come back. You can put it in it. the show notes. Yeah, yeah. The, I have some other interests besides movies and okay. drugs. All right. Um, you don't even know what's coming. I right don't. Now. You're, I never know what's coming with you, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the forum where you posted about this thing before. Yeah. And um, like the the temptation to comment was overwhelming. You should have commented. Why didn't you? Nobody knows who I am on that board. Yeah, but it's just a group of people who are interested in screenwriting. It's my Facebook group for screenwriters. Yes. But anything I wanted to say was on the thread about this podcast where Mm -hmm. you were kind of sussing out uh, the the general taste of it. Yeah. and I wanted to say like, ha ha ha, here's a joke that would make sense if you had listened to the oh. previous episodes or here's another comment that yeah. get ready for this. But nobody knew who I was or why right. I would be posting on there. True. So I had to, I had to hold my breath. Well, when the episodes are out, you can start posting your, your I, jokes. Oh, and here's the, here's the on-air promise I'm making to you right now. I am uh, not the best at social media. You have complete free reign to delete any comment I ever write ever. No questions will be asked at all. All right. You moderate that group. You are not uh, responsible for my tomfoolery. So just have at it. Okay, um, good. Uh, so yes. I like it. Power. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Nightmare on Elm sure. Street for a minute. Uh, we discussed it. this a little bit. Yeah, you hinted at it. What did I, you set it up and then I'll take it from there. Well, I mean, I don't know if I can set it up. You said that you were doing some sort of marathon of watching every Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yes. And that includes New Nightmare. That includes Freddy vs. Jason. And that yeah. includes how many, the how many movies is it total? Remake. Uh, the eight. Eight. Okay. That eight was, that's actually less than I, fewer than I thought it would be. That, that surprised me too. Um, 
All right. Now let's, uh, how much do you listen to Will Smith these days uh, from his Fresh Prince days? Not enough. I agree. <laughs> and I listen to it daily and I would say not enough for myself. Okay. Um, do you remember the song Nightmare on My Street? Yes. Okay. So Nightmare on, uh, Nightmare on My Street kind of sort of summarizes parts one and two and mixes up some of the details, right? Okay. It, um, do, do you remember the song Are You Ready for Freddy by the Fat Boys? No. Okay, that um, kind of hints at events in the third film, but was released on the soundtrack to the fourth film. Okay. And also Robert Englund appears on that song, rapping, saying things like, my name is Freddie and I'm here to say that I'm going to scare you kids away or whatever it is. You need to find a good horror movie trivia night. I do. A horror (laughs) movie. I need, or a... um, movie rap song trivia night because i (laughs) will smash anyone all you fools who think that mc hammer did the song from teenage mutant ninja turtles get real i (laughs) partners in crime thank you very much anyway Uh, we're way off track so that's that's uh two nightmare on elm street rap songs right Mm -hmm. yeah sure how many films was it eight Eight. films Mm -hmm. are you doing the math on this Uh, which math am i supposed to be doing there's a lot of Freddy Krueger movies that have gone unsummarized uh-huh. in hip hop. So you did it. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what, what this, we've got four episodes in, in Shocktober, uh-huh. in Halloween, in our Halloween night marathon. Uh-huh. Uh, spooktacular. I like all these names. Um, what I figured I'd do, there's eight films. That divides well. Sure. We'll yep. do two films a week. Uh-huh. Uh, what you're going to get is 24 bars on each film. Uh, tonight, today we're doing Nightmare on Elm Street's part one and part two, Freddy's Revenge. Okay. Um, so this is, uh, I'm doing the verses and my, my, uh, my darling wife is doing the choruses on this. Oh, okay. So this is a a full extravaganza. (laughs) Excellent. Um, what I would ask is that you don't expect four different songs. This is going to end up being one eight to 10 minute song that summarizes the entire saga. Uh, in, in, in rap format. Wow. Okay. So uh, first first thing, before we play it, I'd like to say you're welcome. I was just going you. to say, where do you find the time to do all of this? I get up at five o'clock every morning <laughs> and put on my headphones and start uh, like reviewing the beats while I go do my 4K run or whatever it is. Wow. Good for uh, you. And, and do most of my writing while I'm running and then come down and furiously scribble it out. So really, this is your something anything else. This is my something anything else is, is Will Smith and um, so uh, and making my rap debut Excellent. on Movies the Podcast. As long as I don't have to rap, we're good. You don't. Let's hear you it. Do, are, you, are you ready? I'm ready. For Freddy? We'll see. I do hope you enjoy this because I've, I've been pouring my heart into this. <laughs> and here's the thing is this is so, like, first of all, I'm aware nobody asked for this. Uh, and it's so completely colossally stupid that if it does, like if if it's not enjoyable, then this is the dumbest thing I've done in my life. It's your gift to the world. Let's just let's get on with it. With, yeah, play the song, Schneebly. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, 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 please don't dismember me. <laughs> Never. Part, part one. No. Oh.
Now let's take it back to when I was but a lad I was given the gift of a cassette by my dad He said you're gonna like it, the genre's called rap So if you don't like the track, you can put it on my pap The tape was great, or as the singer said Death, it was the one fresh prince and the mighty Jazzy Jeff The first track on it, the beat was haunted Nightmare on my street, exactly what I wanted See, I was too young to watch a nightmare movie But a song that summarized the plot And Will did fine, but I think that it's time Freddy's whole legacy was canonized in rhyme No disrespect to the Fresh Prince song But there are things he got right and there are things he got wrong I've analyzed the tape and the best I can reckon Is he done watch the first but he done drunk the second Nancy is our gal and her mom's an alcoholic And Johnny Depp's her boyfriend but he's not an alcoholic There's a couple of the teens in the Elm Street clan And Freddy would have cut up with the glove on his hand He's a pervert and a murderer, the boogeyman supreme Burnt up like a weenie and he's filthy mean The sweater and the hat coming into your dream And all the little kids just scream Please don't dismember me Incredible, so in order for a sequel was inevitably inevitable And England is back because the man is legendary Secondary characters were deemed unnecessary You can almost hear the head of new line Say we want the same as part one But like super duper gay I'm talking dudes in short shorts Getting sweaty at sports Gay bar hopping and the popping of corks A black leather gym teacher murdered in the nude Our protagonist a never sweaty topless dude He can have a girl but their connection is weak And they should never get closer than a peck on the cheek Our hero's on a journey to find someone to confide in To share his dark secret that a man's been inside him In terms of storytelling it's a bit of a backflip Jesse wears the glove like it's a hand that he jacks with I understand that Jesse was demonically possessed But there's a double homicide that goes wholly unaddressed You've reached a final act in the ceiling of fates When Freddy goes savage on the fine china plates To ensure that the film resembles concrete ass They chuck in a couple of puppies wearing rubber masks Lisa finds a way to kill the man with the glove With the kiss he learns the all-enduring power of love Please don't dismember me He comes in my